Welcome to the Batphone Podcast, where we talk about combat sports, comic books, gaming, pop culture, and anything else my friends want to talk about. Hosted by yours truly, Nick Batman Hughes. Okay, picking up the Batphone today is none other than the Timmy Flashbang Rogers. How are you, man? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. So I'll jump straight in and, and start putting you over. Four and I was an amateur? Three. Three and I was an amateur? Yeah. Or three and I was a professional. Three and I was both. Three and I was both. Yeah, four and I was Kyle. We don't count Kyle. Ah, yeah, that's right. So you're six and zero as a, an undefeated MMA fighter. Yeah. Overall, super exciting style, fan favorite, crowd pleaser, very <laughs> precise, very powerful. But you're also a hell of a good bloke as well, and you got a big personality, and that's what's made you a crowd favorite overall. Is you always bring it. The things that you say in your, your post-fight speeches as well, that really resonates with people. And I think that it, it kind of shines through in, in your day-to-day as well, the way that you interact with the guys uh, in the gym. You're a leader in the gym because of that, because of the experience that you've had. But my perspective on you, before we really get into it, is, I mean, you've been involved in every iteration and evolution of Trinity <laughs> MMA, since we were doing an MMA class at SABJJ and then cage stuff in Richard's backyard, yeah. sharing space with Universal, being upstairs at Fast Twitch and then coming into this space, you've, you've been there every step of the way. What are, you, what are some of your, uh, your memories of the SABJJ days and starting up MMA there? Because that's when I first met you. Yeah, well, I, well, I remember walking into SABJJ and... Um, I thought, like, after watching them on MMA Down Under, I was like, man, these guys just carved up and, like, they just really performed on the night. And then when I walked into SABJJ, I was expecting Jiu-Jitsu to have punches. Oh, yeah. And I was like, these guys are, like, doing Jiu-Jitsu. I'm like, where's the punches? I'm like... Because, like, even then, like, when I, when I walked in, they'd just taken the bags off the wall. Mm. And I, I don't know why that was. I think it was, like, noise or something. Mm. But um, I was like, man, there's no, no, like, no punches going on here. And then we were doing like MMA one night a week. Yeah. And then uh, and that was for a couple of years. Yeah. Just, just one night a week, trying to like link everything we could on one day. <laughs> that <laughs> it was, was hard. Yeah. yeah before we even went to the cage, like before anything, yeah. it was just one night there. And we were going out to like Planet Max and stuff like that to try and get cage work in. I didn't get to go to those. Oh, really? Oh, that was just before me, I think. There was another... What about when we had to go out and use the cage in Port Adelaide? At like Pulse Fitness or something. Yeah, like that. I think at that stage I was still playing football on uh, Saturdays. Yeah. 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 So I didn't get to go because I was playing football on Saturdays. Oh, okay. So I was like, I was there, but like I wasn't... There, there. Like on that day, yeah. Because yeah. I remember you in those days. Obviously, mm. you know, you came in because you were a fighter, fighter. That you've been doing boxing for a little bit, but it's it's something yeah. that excited you, it's something yeah. that you had interest in. Yeah, for and sure. um, you were a heavy set kid, but <laughs> fatty. But still, like you were one of those people who came in and said, "I'm going to be here every single day." A lot of people say that. Mm. A lot of people say that. Yeah. But you did it. You were there every single session that you could possibly be. And slowly but surely, you know, gradually we began to see, yeah, the weight come off, but through sheer consistency and understanding, you grew into the fighter that you are. And what a journey, man. (laughs) What a journey it's been for you specifically. I just absolutely, I mean, back in the the VAMA days, you know, and even before that, trial fights and what you've had to go through. It's been such an immense journey. I'm so proud of you for everything oh, that you've thanks, been able man. to achieve within the industry. And as a person, uh, even recently, you know, buying a house with your partner, your lovely partner as well. Oh, We've got thanks, to make man. sure we shout out to, to yeah. her. She's yeah. awesome. Uh, but yeah, I've just, I've just seen it. I've seen you through your evolution and through your pathway and the fighter that you've become mm-hmm. and the leader that you've become and the person that you've become. And I like all of them. No. So I wanted to have you on the podcast there to make sure I got to say nice things about you <laughs> to your face and so everyone can hear them as well. But that, those VAMA, like when, so VAMA is, I think it was the Victorian Amateur Mixed Martial Arts Association. We had to drive eight hours, yeah. me, you, Matt Shaw and Julian Wythe. <laughs> 
to Melbourne, right. rock up <laughs> at the weigh at the weigh-ins. Julian got his uh, his opponent switched out from. I'm not sure who his original opponent was, but his opponent became Andrew McIntosh, who was a Richie Ivory trained Bendigo MMA guy who mm. was undefeated at the time and a really yeah. good amateur guy and. Yeah. So we're at the weigh-ins and we had the fight switched out, <laughs> but we weren't the only ones as well. No, no. Looking around, all that shenanigans was going on non-stop. I remember there was a, um, there was some adult like there, and he was getting ready to have a fight, and his team refused to fight this kid. I don't know yeah. if you remember, but yeah, this like, young kid. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, we can't have our guy fight this kid. He's just gonna smash him. Yeah. And the promoters were going to be like, yeah, no, it's all right. And then they just had, they just had to refuse. So yeah. both of them missed out, but that was a good call from that guy. That team. was a good call. And we were sort of in the same position, but yeah. we, it was a gun to our head. We'd driven eight hours there. It's not like yeah. we just turn around and go home and be like, nah, we'll fight next weekend. There were no amateur opportunities no. in this state. So no. if we were going to get one, we we're going to have to drive there or fly there off our own back. Or wait for DFC. Yeah, but we didn't know that <laughs> didn't that didn't know. even exist at that point no. in time because no. MMA Down Under had sort of come and gone. Yeah. And uh, there was that big time in Lou where we're all training. You know, the seed had been planted for MMA in this mm. state, but, but there was nowhere for it to grow. Yeah. So, and an interesting fact about Julian as well is Juice. He was the first fight on DFC ever. Yeah, right. When Diamondback became Diamondback, he was the first fight ever. He was the first winner for Diamondback ever. Wow. So how's that for his progression as that's well? That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I forgot right? about that. Yeah. Oh, good on him. And then sort of time goes get by. Get back to the gym, Julian. Yeah, yeah. Get, get into gym juice. You know? <laughs> He's been all right. I mean, yeah. he comes how much, however much he can yeah. come. But every time he comes in, he comes in with that mauling clinch style and give yeah. you fits and stuff. He's one of those guys that can just rock up and give you fits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Julian. He does so, he does so well. That's why I want him um, fighting him. <laughs> yeah, he would be excellent fighting because he's yeah. accrued so many more skills and a different yeah. strategy now. And it's really up to him, you know. I, I back yeah. him yeah. 100%. Um, but yeah, you progressed through and had fights with Karim and Tom Hamilton and mm. working your way through that coming up to the Taylor Garrett fight. And that was really sort of your coming out party. That, and that's the sort of <laughs> yeah. the Timmy flashbang Rogers era right mm. there. Because you progressed as a fighter in a, in a very cool way. Like your fight IQ is by far your strongest mm. attribute. By yeah. far your strongest attribute. Yes, you're very precise with your strikes and you're very powerful. Mm. Uh, but your overall fight IQ and you, you create these stories and narratives in your fight, you create dilemmas for your opponents. Yeah. Like you have, you set a pattern, you set rhythms and then an offbeat timing and things are happening to them before they realize that they're happening and then it's too late. Mm. And then commonly they overexert themselves. They put a lot yeah. into the grapple. They put a lot into the clinch yeah. and it takes a lot of energy out of your opponents and you survive. You survive because you're very savvy on the ground. Your MMA understanding of defense of jujitsu and defense of wrestling mm. is exemplary. Mm. So when you inevitably escape and hard technical escapes as well, mm. <laughs> when you stand up again, they're in a lot of trouble and yeah. it's hard for people to sort of really gauge it. They can watch tape on you if they like, mm. but it's really difficult to gauge that timing and gauge that rhythm when you're just watching tape. Yeah. So you, you all, you never fail to bring out the true emotion in the fans and the emotion in me as well. I remember after that <laughs> Taylor Garrett fight, I lost it, man. And I'm yeah. not known for completely losing it, but you were up on my shoulders and I'm screaming at the crowds. Yeah. Like that was what an absolutely amazing <laughs> as awesome. that was. What are your recollections of, of that fight, the lead up to that fight, and how you felt when it was happening? Well, I remember in the lead up to that fight, um, like we were told he was going to try and strike with us. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Like we, some, I don't know some people told us that he thought he was going to try and strike with us, and then you were like, it's going to strike, and then you're going to hit him, and then he's going to try and take you down. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly like what happened. Yeah. And then, um, like, it, obviously more to it than that, mm. but like he tried a couple of times, then got me down. And then I remember thinking when he had me in a dance at, in the first round, I remember thinking, I might lose this fight. Mm. Like, I might, this might be my first loss. And then in my head, I was like, F no. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, just 
just sort of like powered through, like I'm like, I've got to hang on to this, like I've got to be smart. And then I could hear you like belly down, belly down, like to make the, the dice looser. And I put my, my belly on the ground, like chest down. And then that's when I started like just sort of working from there and worked to the cage and I was able to get back up. And there was like, there was some adversity in that fight, mm. like a few times, like at the end of the round, like every time we got up, I was like mincing him on the feet. And then when we were, like, every time he shot, he shot like a bullet. Like, yeah. He shot, like, bang. He shot with urgency. With Yeah. yeah. Like, and it was, like, it was either on the front foot or the back foot, like, he was coming, like, 100 mile an hour. And it was, they were hard to defend. And then, um... The armbar escape. <laughs> the armbar escape. That was the, I think that was, was that the final turning point of the fight? Yeah. Because that was, him. that was a lot for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and look, he he's a great fighter. He is. And he was a big step up in competition as well. I mean, no offense to the guys that you'd fought prior, mm. but he was coming over from New Zealand. He'd fought in the IAAF, like the Amateur International League. Yeah. He had a lot of fights. Yeah, he was a bigger lightweight. Was cutting well, cutting mm. smart, very athletic, mm. uh, and very skilled, very well rounded yeah. as well. So this for you. And that was your first main event too. That was at Rising Stars, and you were the main event. Yeah, that was awesome. That was the first fight I've been a bit nervous for because that was the main event. But you danced all the way out to the cage, <laughs> all the way out to the cage. Yeah. The first time you did that, I'm like, you better win now, man. Yeah, like, against yeah. Dylan Adams. Yeah, against Dylan Adams, like, you're gonna have to win this. <laughs> I remember, I remember you, you said that to me. I was like dancing because he had a cool song. Can't remember what it was. Yeah, you were dancing to his song. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, and you're like, you better win now. <laughs> Uh, that was funny, yeah. but yeah, that Taylor Garrett fight for me that was it was super emotional. I know what you what you had yeah. put into that fight, yeah. and just yeah, your whole career progression up to that point, and that was one of my favorite fights that I've been involved in because it, it showed your skill progression, mm-hmm. and it really showed what you were capable of in terms of your overall ability, and um, yeah, you faced some adversity after that as well. I mean, I've never seen or heard of the type of eye injury that yeah. that you had and that was a really scary time for us and I bet it was a scary time for you but your resolve mm-hmm. throughout that entire process like people don't really understand you were never not gonna fight again yeah you know what I mean like in, yeah. no one was gonna tell you that you couldn't fight again yeah and we had a lot of discussions about it. We looked at the stuff that Michael Bisping had gone through. We looked at the specific surgeries. It was even hard specific, to find. It was. It yeah. was hard to find. Yeah. Those specific procedures mm. that he went through so that he could be cleared to fight again. It was only sort of after we'd looked into it that we realized, no, that's what a, you, your initial surgery and your initial procedure mm. was. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, because we were thinking, oh, can you have this done posthumously, like after the fact? But you'd already had it done. Yeah. And... Um, Man, hmm. like, when that happened, what were you... I mean, you've been through some adversity in the past medically. I mean, what about the story that happened with your, your kidney? <laughs> what a story that is. That's dumb, isn't it? But it's, so it's not dumb. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And it's an amazing story. Yeah. Do you want to tell the story? Yeah, yeah. So me and Brando, because I've been friends with Brando since... Oh, he was 13 or 14. We've been friends. And um, me, him and two other mates were out... At uh, it used to be called Pelican Point out of Harbour, where you used to be able to do like push bike jumps. And one of our mates was did this jump, and I just got this new bike, and they're like, "Yeah, go for it." And Bre- Brando wasn't even there; like he was off. <laughs> Typical Brando. <laughs> Side note: He was like trying to chase and hunt rabbits, like. That is typical Brando. Yeah. He is a hunter through and through. Yeah. He's born in the wrong era. He oh, should have been born a, a barbarian, Viking, Viking and yeah. a mountain, <laughs> and just hunting for his food. He would yeah. have been, He could have been in any era. He could have been yeah. a, a gladiator at a coliseum, a yeah. hunter and barbarian Viking. He probably was. You know what I mean? Yeah. He probably was. Yeah. Let's just let's just leave it like let's, that. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's like a. a King among men in every era. Yeah. You know? But yeah, anyway, yeah. getting back to your story. <laughs> it's funny. But yeah, so he's out there chasing rabbits and um, our other mate, Nick, he was like, oh, do this jump. And I was like, yeah, all right. And because he just did it. And I like never done, it wasn't even a big jump. Like mm. if you could see it, you'd be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but I just got all this speed up and I just hit it like as fast as I could on my mountain bike. Mm. And I ended up 
landing in like soft dirt and my my tie like like sort of twisted a bit and dug into the ground and I went flying over the top and boom I hit my stomach and as I hit the ground I remember being like instantly like the worst pain I've ever felt in my life mm-hmm. like nothing comes close like I broke my ankle I broke my, my thumb I broke my nose I've broken lots of stuff they were like a three this was like a ten and straight away I was like I couldn't breathe I was like like just air coming out of me and then the boys yelled out to Brando Brando came running over good on you Brando come straight <laughs> over and then they felt like we were like it was like a bit of like a dump yard type sort of thing they found me like this crappy old chair that someone had dumped and I was sitting on it and like I just couldn't talk for like about a minute and a half and then because the pain was just too much and then classic me I was like like Brando called my dad and he's like you better come get Timmy's in a bad way so I I called my dad back I was like dad don't worry about it I'm gonna ride home (laughs) I'm gonna stop and get a meat pot (laughs) It's my favourite part of this story is yeah. the meat pie on the way home. But I didn't get it. Oh. I didn't get it because like I'd, I started riding my bike and I probably rode for about 200 metres and then like the pain was just too much. Like I could feel my insides had like ripped. Mm. So but long story short, I walked the rest of the way home. I went to, the, I was like about to go to the toilet and I knew like I didn't know much about like anatomy and that, but I knew that something wasn't right. So I was like, I remember walking, I still have the, the, the image in my head of walking to the toilet and exactly like my own voice in my head. I was like, dear God, whatever happens, look after me. Mm. And I pulled down my pants and as I did a piss, like I hemorrhaged blood everywhere. Oh. All over the wall, all over the walls, all over the floor, all over the toilet, just everywhere. Like it looked like someone had like had their throat slit in there. There was just blood everywhere. And I was like, I was panicked. Like, I didn't know what to do. So I went I went across the road, got, <laughs> got the old lady from across the road, old Olive, she's dead now, but she was a saint. She was funny. She came in and she, oh, it was so funny. She didn't even call the ambulance. She's like, and then afterwards we found out she didn't call the ambulance because she's like, I didn't know if you had ambulance cover. <laughs> oh, what a dear. <laughs> yeah, so... Meanwhile, you've pissed blood all over the walls. Meanwhile, I'm like bleeding out internally. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so anyway, my dad came and got me, took me to the hospital. They're like, just take a seat. And I was like, take a seat. <laughs> and like, I'm like, I've got to go to the toilet again. So they gave us a sample jar. <laughs> then my dad helped me go to the toilet. And then by this stage, like, my dad was, like, there with me, helping me stand up. He had my arm, like, looped, sort of holding me up. Mm. And then I remember, like, pissing and, like, and, like, no one wants your dad to see a dick, but, you know, like, he's... He's seen it, bro. He's, yeah, <laughs> that's it. But he's, like, like, not since I had hair. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm there, I'm there, I'm, like, about to piss, and then, like, my dad's sort of, like, watching to see what colour it was, because mm-hmm. I was, like, holding it, the sample jar underneath it, and then straight away, just, like, it's, like, like, as soon as I, like, just, like, let go in my body, like, it just came like a waterfall. Oh, wow. And it just was, like, all over my hand, all over the floor, all over the, like, again, just looked like someone had been stabbed in there. And then my dad, like, started, like, shaking. Like, I thought my dad was going to fall wow. over. He's like, whoa. And then, like, he's, like, holding up. It's, like, it's all right, mate. It's all right, mate. And, like, because oh, he was, what like... What a good bloke. Yeah, he was, like, panicking. Well, every time you tell this story... I mean, I've probably heard it three times. Yeah. But every time you tell this story, I get just get that sinking, cringe feeling in my stomach. And I think every man, and female for that yeah. matter, could relate to this. Imagine if that happened to you. And imagine yeah. seeing your son... Yeah, go through this right in front mm. of your eyes. You know, him reassuring you would have been him reassuring himself. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. So please continue. Yeah, and then so we, my dad grabbed the sample jar off me, helped me out, and I had a towel with me, so I was sort of like wiping off my hands and like, and he was helping me walk out. And I remember the nurse's face. It was so funny because like she obviously didn't know how bad it was mm. because I like I didn't have any like out like external things and I like and it was weird that I was sort of just walking in there yeah and so she looked and then she looked back and then she looked back again and her face just dropped and then she's like all right come with me and then next thing you know like everyone's around me like they're pushing open the doors they've got me on a bed 
they're cutting off my clothes, taking off my shoes. I was like, I was wearing nothing. I've got, I've got needles going in my chest, in my arms. I've got like um, this big bag of dye they're about to like take into me, go straight in for a CAT scan. And then funny thing about a CAT scan is if you get injected with dye, like a lot of people say it makes you feel like you wet yourself. Mm. But for me, I remember thinking like I felt like I just pooed myself <laughs> when the dye injected. <laughs> apparently it's pretty apparently it's heaps common. But I was like I was like, I've just pooed myself. They're like, no no, it's just the dye. <laughs> <laughs> you had to tell them I poop, pooped them. I've just I've just pooed. <laughs> I'm peeing blood, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, at this point everything's coming out of me, so I've pooed. Look, I've pooed, okay? Yeah, it's just, it just happened. It was like warm and but there was nothing there. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so then uh, they take me back and they were prepping me for surgery and my mum and dad are there like crying. Like, mm. My mum looked like a mess because she got that by, there by that stage because she was out. And they were just about to send me in for surgery and then this call came through from this kidney specialist and he said, do not cut him open, he will bleed to death on wow. the table. Yeah. So we had to wait. Like mm. I literally just had to wait a week in intensive care like just sitting there hoping that everything was going to be all right and it was it was fine yeah now i'm like my kidney still functions like it's bigger because of scar tissue Mm. but um apparently that's pretty normal yeah and um i've got scar tissue on my small intestines as well because of the hemorrhage on the inside so like the blood sort of like clung to my small intestines so apparently I've got to be careful, like, if I ever get, like, really, like, sharp pains in my stomach, yeah. I'm going to get that checked, because, like, twisted bowel. But... How old were you when that happened? I think I was 19. Wow. That's, so that's pretty young. Yeah. And do you think it took a couple of years? Yeah, so after that, like, I don't know, um, it wasn't really, like, I, remember, I remember as soon as I got home, I was like, um, this is my mentality. I like got on my bike straight away and mum's like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, that sounds like you. I was like, I just got to show myself that I'm not yeah, scared of it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Still got the bike. Man, this is, I've always felt like there must be something, a very strong internal drive and motivator for you, whether it's getting back on the bike after that or mm-hmm. getting back in the cage after the eye, that comes from somewhere. Yeah. You know, that comes from some, you can't teach it. Mm-hmm. You're born with it and, yeah. you, and you have it. You yeah. have it tenfold. Yeah. Um, so getting back to the eye, I mean, cutting a really long story short, yeah. that was a hard process for yeah. you to come back from that eye. That's but right. it, what made it easier was that internal drive. You mm-hmm. never second guessed it. You always backed yourself, and we yeah. were looking real hard at how we could get you back in there. Yeah. So as time went by, Travis May, who was going, who ended up being your next fight, he fought and defeated Taylor Garrett. Yeah. And he did it with a clinical grappling display. Yeah, and that's not nah. easy to do yeah. against someone who has as the caliber of grappling as Taylor Garrett was, mm. and as the wheel turned, that ended up being your next fight, and mm. that was that was huge. Yeah. That was a huge evening. There was a lot going on that evening, you know, outside of your own fight. Yeah, and. I remember being backstage for that fight after knowing everything that had happened. Yeah. And that had been the fight for me the most, where I struggled the most to maintain my composure pre-fight. Yeah. Because I knew what it meant to you. Yeah. But I also knew how much that that needed to happen. I needed to be the voice of reason and composure in the yeah. corner as best as I possibly could, because I believe in that as a pathway for, um, for you know, fighters to be successful. Mm. And... I know that for you personally, there was a lot of internal, you know, questions being asked. You know, can I do this? Am mm. I still where I was? Absolutely normal, but that resolve yeah. was still there. Yeah. And you know, I've always wanted to ask you: Do you feel like your your faith has something to do with that as well? I mean, you yeah. you pray with your brother in every walkout yeah. that you ever do to the cage. Mm. I mean, do you feel like that is? a backbone or a linchpin or a driving force behind what you do? Yeah. Yeah. I think my confidence comes from not sort of like, is that I was a fat kid that shouldn't have been ever any good at MMA. Like I was, you know, I was a, I was like, I was fat as anything. And like, I was never good at really anything. My brother was always really, really good at football. Mm -hmm. And I, um, 
I don't know, I didn't really like have anything that was good at. I really struggled at school. Like I really, really struggled at school, dropped out in year 10. And then when I found MMA, it was like sort, sort of like God had given me my gift. Mm. God was like, it felt to me like, like God was like, this is what I put you here to do. Yeah. And so when, when you feel that and you believe that, there's like, there's no, there's no doubt. Like there, there's obviously always doubts because I'm only human, but it's sort of like, I feel like that no matter what happens, I win or lose or draw or get smashed or smash someone, you know, like, I feel like it's all God's, like, what, what God has allowed me to do. Like, because I don't think I should have always won all those fights. Mm. Like, as in, like, I did win them, like, because most of them I finished. But I mean, as in, like, I shouldn't have, like, because, you know, maybe I might not have been as good or athletic as the other guy. But just, like, the, the mindset of, like, having... For me, God, like, allowing me to do this, like, I have to give it everything i got. It, it comes through. Yeah. It comes through, man. And I'm really glad that you have that as, you know, as a linchpin of your existence because it adds to your existence. It yeah. really does. Yeah. And there's always going to be ideologies, conflicting ideologies, whether you yeah. want to call someone an atheist or an agnostic or a deatist or yeah. whatever it is, man. Yeah. What you've got going... Works for me. <laughs> it works. It's brilliant. Yeah. And your belief in yourself and your belief in your faith is something to be cherished. Something really to be cherished. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So that fight, that Travis <laughs> May fight, you faced adversity in that fight. But you know what? It, going back to what I was talking about before, you created this narrative. Mm. You know, you both wanted to calf kick, but it was your calf kicks that overtook. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was your bre- breaking rhythm with your striking and your precision. You were both landing but you were landing in places and in sections of the fight that were harder for him to decipher. So he was getting caught, yeah, truly caught mm. by the strikes that you were throwing and you were overtaking, overtaking, overtaking. Mm. But again, you had to face adversity. He eventually yeah. got you to the ground. He had some excellent positions. He, he opened up a, a cut that had you bleeding. Yeah. But you came back. Yeah. <laughs> And you stuck with it and you stayed precise and you kept playing the game. You kept evolving that story as the fight went on. Mm. And that was the first decision victory that you've ever had. But it was never in doubt. It was never in question. That fight was always yours. And I remember, I mean, we've got photos after that fight of of you on the floor and us all hugging your entire corner on the floor. Like that was a huge emotional sigh of relief because yeah. we all knew how much you deserved it yeah i mean we can't take anything away from travis no you know excellent no. fighter and he yeah. deserves great things too mm. in his life and in his career and he will get those things yeah 100%. but that night was your night yeah and you know some of the things that you said on the microphone after that that really meant a lot to a lot of people as well mm. so and it meant a lot to me mm. You win yourself fans by being an exciting fighter. Sure. Mm. That's always going to happen. Yeah. But you win your fans by being an excellent person. And that's always come through. Mm. It's always come through. Yeah. And I want people to know that tip. You know, I want people to know that Tim, yeah. and I think people get a little bit of insight into that Tim because also another you know a facet of your personality is creating content, whether it's the Racker Boys, Visualize Media Co. Yeah. Like, how did you link up with those guys? Have you always known them? Or I met um, Danny at a party with that was a birthday party. Um, Hannah's sister-in-law, I think it was I can't remember what birthday it was of hers, but we all met there, and then. Um, this is before they were like really big, mm. and um, I, don't know, I must have just been been me, <laughs> and he, he must have, like um, like we didn't even hardly talk, but then he messaged me. He's like, "Oh, hey man, can we catch up and watch the UFC together?" I was yeah. like, "Yeah, for sure." And then ever since then we've been friends, and then that's just created like heaps of opportunities for me. So like since since meeting them, I've met a lot of other people mm. in that sort of industry and made a lot of other friends in like Kwame and stuff like that as yeah. well I knew Kwame before yeah. oh okay yeah. me and Kwame went to youth group together wow on the York Peninsula <laughs> what a nice guy oh, Kwame yeah. is yeah. man yeah. and Tamani and John as well yeah definitely super nice people yeah. nice and you know what yeah. the racket toys man yeah <laughs> they are pretty naturally talented combat guys as well. Yeah, like especially Michael, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're good grapplers. Yeah. They're good strikers. Yeah. I mean, they're, I guess, 
they would be stuntmen via trade, so they understand, yeah, you know, the body mechanics and things like that. But and you know, have courage yeah. <laughs> at the baseline of they've got no fear. They've got like... creativity and courage. Mm-hmm. If those aren't ingredients for success in some way, shape, or form, I don't know what is. Yeah, man. like that's pretty cool. But I was very impressed when they came out and did some wrestling and did some when they did some work with you as well. Yeah, but yeah. you've been involved in videos that they've done, and you've been involved in the creative process as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a you know a really good thing for someone who of your stature in the fighting world to do, just to show those different sides of yeah. your personality and it comes across so well <laughs> in the um, the is it the Australian Outback guy <laughs> oh I love those videos man <laughs> I absolutely love those videos yeah. and there's that one video I know one. you know the one we're talking how many views did that video have uh, so just on Facebook it had 2.5 million but 2.5 million views on Facebook yeah <laughs> But through the all of the me and Tamani sort of looked at it and sort of added it up from what we could tell, and from being like stolen and put on other platforms, it's got easily over ten million views. Ten million views. Yeah, and it's the quintessential look of you know an Aussie vlog who's been to Thailand, <laughs> been to Thailand twice, and like yeah. had a, a gimme fight, and, or not had any fights, you know, but yeah. apparently he's fought all over the place, and it's just in his head that he put gyms on the map. Oh, <laughs> man. He is absolutely amazing. And you know what? He's based on a true story. Yeah. He's based on many a true story. Yeah. But he's also based on a specific true story. Because we've been at the you know, we've been at the gym for a long time. Yeah. People come and go. Yeah. But I think that's why it went so viral too. Yeah. Because everyone knows. everyone knows that yeah. there's going to be that guy that comes in. He's in a gym somewhere in every gym across South Australia and yeah. Australia right now. He's right there now. right now, yeah. lurking somewhere, yeah. just telling you all about his little Trying to coach the coach. Yeah, yeah. Coaching the coaches, yeah. checking in the air, and just. <laughs> if, if we go, I'll, I'll make sure I set up the links to that so that everyone can just, just re watch it again. It's absolutely brilliant. That's oh, classic. But even little videos that you did like honestly my favorite video that you've ever done is just you having the japanese toilet experience oh, yeah you know the one when you're spraying down the bottles yeah. like, that is absolute gold man it's just this little <laughs> it's not a throwaway whatsoever because it's just i don't know it's light-hearted it's my type of humor yeah. the way it's edited and cut and goes from one thing to the next yeah. and it just escalates it's so brilliant <laughs> i want people to see these videos yeah. as well I might, I might make sure i try and set up those links yeah. but do you have any desires or aspirations to do things like that in the future yeah i was actually talking to shane mitchell oh um, oh some videos that you you could pull off with shane right yeah, now yeah, would yeah. be gold yeah you've already been doing a little bit on instagram but yeah, yeah continue because i'd love to hear it well we're thinking about doing a muay thai one part two. Oh, please do <laughs> yeah as um and i won't give away too much in case we definitely like i definitely want to do it but in case we do it, i won't give away too much but yeah. it involves uh shane and brad and like and it's just and and Brad's injured at the moment, so it's like we'll go off that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Are they gonna Are they gonna meet the man himself? The, yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll go dressed up. Yeah, oh, I'll go as I'll go as the. Uh, I can't say his name. Yeah, we can't, can't say, say his, his real name. <laughs> we can Maybe one day we'll say his name. Yeah, yeah. We find out whatever happened to him. We'll just name him his actual name. Yeah. 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 I feel like we're being very respectful currently yeah. of a guy who probably doesn't probably deserve know. it, but that's yeah. all right. Yeah. You know, that's fine. Or probably even knows. He probably doesn't even know. No. On some level, he knows. On some level. Yeah. On some level. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, you had that idea as well of having that character go to a knees of fury yeah oh. you should still do that oh. whenever we can yeah. whenever fight shows kick up again and you're not on one yeah. I'm <laughs> sure in the head by some drunk guy like if what then he'll be he'll be talking to you on the same level man it's the yeah. crowd <laughs> everyone's that. like that yeah but normally people don't like themselves that's a very keen observation. Yeah. <laughs> if they're like that. Yeah. You're like, he doesn't know anything. I've been, I've actually been to Thailand one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that is absolutely classic. Mm. Yeah. So I think moving forward, I guess the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is how do you see, you know, fight shows and fight event events playing out in the future? I mean, the, the real question I want to ask you is about 
up and comers that you see. Mm. But I guess that parlays into what kind of what kind of opportunities are we going to have moving forward in the future? Yeah, I mean, all credit to. I mean, Ethan tried to put on Ethan Shep of Needs of Fury tried yeah. to put on a show. It didn't quite happen. Uh, there's some pretty big things in the works with DFC putting on their big Apex uh, Apex yeah. Sports Festival, and we we've got to hope beyond hope that that goes well, that that goes mm-hmm. brilliantly, because there's so many guys waiting in the wings at the moment yeah. that are just hyper talented. You know, aside from yourself, mm-hmm. you know, amateurs developing, professionals who are chomping at the bit to get back in there. I yeah. Mean, it's really hard at the moment, but how do you see it playing out? Do you see good things on the horizon? Do you see good amateurs on the horizon? Yeah, well, definitely. Like, especially no matter what happens with COVID, if it goes for like, no, oh, you know, he- heaven forbid, like a couple more years or whatever, mm. they will like those amateurs won't stop. The real ones won't stop. Yeah, like the Levi Mason Taylor, you know, even like even the Fizz. He's been around a long time, like. And right, those guys won't stop. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to go yeah. anywhere. Like they'll, they'll be waiting. They'll just be. They'll be in the gym every day. Mm. And even if the gym, I, I don't think it will. But even if gyms shut again because of this, they won't stop. Mm. Like they'll keep going. And it just means that when they do fight again, like they'll be more ready. They'll mm. be even more and more ready. Like they'll be fighting at a professional level. Like yeah. they, they already, they already aren't. Like you know, six, seven years ago. Fizz, Ryan, Taylor, Levi, Mason would all go in there and just feed the the first level professionals of like yeah. six years ago, because they because of what the sport is now. Yeah. Like even now, like I remember like I was watching the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, I think it was like nine mm-hmm. with like uh, Ross Pearson and that. Yeah. And I was like, man, I would feed those guys mm-hmm. like right now, like. But obviously, they've evolved. Yeah. But like watching the guys that were in the show and had opportunities like that, I mean, I, I was thinking to myself, man, I would like, I would mince, I would mince ninety percent of them. The evolution of the sport has been incredibly rapid. It's incredibly crazy. rapid. It's crazy. And you've been a part of that evolution of the mm. sport, and you're at the point now where you see things in a different way. Mm. You see the type of game plans mm. and strategies that someone of 15, 10 to fifteen years ago. Uh, we're looking to put forward in a professional MMA fight, in an elite professional MMA fight. And you're looking at it and going, I think I could pick that apart. Mm. Now, people might hear that statement and go, oh, who's this guy? I think he is. They're not there every day. No. They're not there every day doing it. Like, I've seen sparring rounds that yourself and Jake Chenoweth have had. <laughs> yeah. that, no, honest, honestly, man, that yeah. people would pay money to see. Yeah. And I feel privileged to see. I feel privileged and honored to be able to aid you guys yeah. in the pursuit of what you're doing and to see the level of intellect and the level of fight IQ and strategy that is going into those rounds and the way that you're... This is just a round that you're aiding each other to get better in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But the way that it's playing out, that's why you're looking back going, okay, mm. I, I feel like I could pick these guys apart because you are now involved in the current evolution of the sport. Yeah. Uh, and it's evolved in a very interesting way. Mm. You know, I, I feel like having a strong wrestling and grappling and jujitsu background, especially initially, that was mm. quite a strong pathway. Yeah. But it is a strong pathway now for almost the opposite reason. Like it, the yeah. grappling was a means to an ends yeah. at that point in time. You could take someone down, hold them down and defeat them. You know, mm. take someone down, hold them down, submit them, take their back. Like that was your high, per- high percentage surefire way, like a guaranteed type of way. Yeah. If you were a better grappler than someone, you could get the fight to the ground and, yeah. right? and finish them on the ground. However, the way the sport has evolved, if you're a better grappler than someone now, your grappling is used as an efficiency deterrent Mm. to keep the fight standing and finish people on the feet at an elite level. We're seeing volume and precision strikers Mm. as champions. And their wrestling is so good that either before the fight, people go, oh, geez, this guy is such a good wrestler, I don't even want to try Mm. Right? Or in the fight, their wrestling is so efficient in terms of defensive and counter grappling that when they break away again, mm. they've got so much more energy and so much more snap and precision in their strikes yeah. that you just can't go with it. Mm. It's hard. 
to win a five by five round championship bout with grappling only. Khabib is the only person yeah. I see doing it. Maybe Kamaru Usman has the potential to do it. Mm. But he also has the adaptability to keep the fight standing. Yeah. Even like he did against Colby. Mm. So when, when you look at it, it's the, the script has flipped a little bit. And you are that archetype mm. of that, flip, that script being flipped to yeah. that strong grappling base. Yeah parlayed into precision power and timing based striking mm. as well like you're a real you're a real hybrid mm. and uh, it, you know you have so many choices in a fight now you have so many ways that you can win and you have won in quite a few different ways as yeah. well but um, yeah some of those amateurs that we have coming up at the moment they're also a product they're also a huge product of that system yeah. look at what Ryan's been able to come up with the twins look ridiculous oh. uh, PJ's coming into oh, his yeah. own now as well yeah. Reese as well yeah. Reese has really picked up in his ground game and his understanding and idea of how to apply different strategies yeah. but man PJ's getting hard to deal dude, with man PJ PJ's athleticism. Stay home, PJ. Yeah, please, yeah. We need. Stop to, bashing me. <laughs> can you just stay pretty, PJ? Like, come on. I, that guy works hard. Yeah, man. He works. I mean, people. He's legitimately was the Australian Supermodel of the Year. Yes. Legitimately. And it's it's laughable. Yeah, it That's is. laughable. It's crazy. He's the sexiest man in MMA. Oh. He makes me question myself. No, I don't. No, no, I wouldn't go that far. I don't question it. I know that. But if we I were mean, in prison, yeah. <laughs> and that's there'd the be some hard grappling rounds. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> there'd be some rough outcomes yeah. of those grappling rounds. Oh shit! Uh, but look, man, we we laugh about it, but he works hard for that. You know, modeling yeah. is not not the easiest gig in the world imagine the pressure imagine the pressure of an industry that you are judged solely on your look i mean i yeah. would crumble in a second yeah but he always has to be in good shape always has to be looking good mm. uh has to show up to every job and it's not just modeling that he does he has you know a job outside of that yeah. as well which is a hard job a hard job and he trains every chance he gets and he's getting better yeah better and better and better he's sort of coming into his own yeah. with the length of his limbs, his legs are long, his torso is long, his arms are long. Mm. He's a great grappler and he's got a good reactive double leg and good grounded yeah. control. Mm. But now his striking is getting up there as well. Like his mm. technique is sort of balancing out with his athleticism and body yeah. type. So he's really coming up with some well-constructed yeah. rounds and it's getting hard to deal with for yeah. everyone. But you know what? That makes it awesome, man. That it's better for you. It's better for Tony Caruso. How good is it when Tony's here in the gym and everyone's just firing off? We've got Brando, you, and PJ. And yeah. these, all these guys are firing off. The vers- It is scary, man. Yeah. The versatility as well as of what's happening when those those sparring days and nights are happening the type of the type of techniques that we're now explaining and learning are evolution techniques addition mm. techniques all the groundwork has been yeah. laid with the fundamental techniques everyone's on the same level I'm, I'm really excited about it man you guys make me happy every single day yeah um, we get the opportunity to now to bring up other guys bring up the, yeah. these other hard workers like mm. like Cameron and, and Chris Vadinas Chris I hope he does so well, man. Tell you what, man. He reminds me of you. Yeah. He reminds me of you a lot. Yeah. That's probably why I like him so much. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying you like yourself a lot? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, Uh, but I I honestly believe that. Yeah. I I really do. He really does remind me of Mm. you a lot. Like, he's Mm. a hard worker without understanding that that's not normal. Mm. Like, you are known in the gym as the absolute hardest worker in the gym. Mm. It's it's true. It's a it's a well known fact. I have to pull you back yeah. from doing too much, yeah. and that's you know that's well documented in any gym that there's going to be some guys you're going to go to nudge forward a little bit. Some guys have got to pull back. But I have to constantly pull you back. It's never a question. <laughs> it's never a question of whether I'm going to have to pull you back or not. I'm in the act of it as yeah. it's happened. You know yeah. what I mean? But where do you think that comes from? I and mean, one of the listener questions was, where does that work ethic come from? Huh. Well. I think, for me, like, it's a, you're never in, never gonna ever be anything good, just by natural talent. Mm. So there's like, you know, you watch Conor McGregor strike, like he's a natural talent in his striking. But man, imagine how hard he works. Yeah. Imagine how hard he works, and like I've got I've got natural abilities in fighting, but for me, like. I'll never, ever, ever want to step into the ring 
and think to myself, could I have done more? Mm. Because that would be, that's the single, you ask anyone that's ever fought, that would be the biggest fear they would have mm. out the back, is if, they, if they've had the thought to themselves, I could have done more in my training, mm. I could have been fitter, I could have learnt more, that would have been that. But then also being said, like not long ago, only a couple of months ago, Jake Janelle said it to me, He's like, Timmy, you are a fighter. It's what it's what you are. He mm. goes, you don't, like, strength and conditioning doesn't excite you. Doing runs doesn't excite you. But doing, like, rounds and learning as you're doing it, that's what excites you because mm. I am a fighter. So if I, I, I want to do, like, 30, 40 rounds in a day, I don't care if I'm, like, if I can hardly even move by the end of it. Like, there's days where I'm, like, I'll train and then I'll sit down and I'll be like, shit, that was like, I'm like, now I can't move. <laughs> But like I didn't, I don't notice until yeah. until it's until it stopped. I, I I believe you. I've watched you do it. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like I'll be like the last one to leave my seat. Like when we finish, and I'll be like, it's sort of like all of a sudden, like like my mind just like clicks. Mm. Oh shit! I just like whoa, now I'm like real sore. But while it's happening, like I'm just like it's like a fat person eating a cake. Like, <laughs> They don't, <laughs> that is the best analogy <laughs> for your work ethic I've ever heard. Like so, just as someone who's completely addicted to food, just going into a food binge yeah. and then coming out of it on the other side, like, whoa, what have I done? <laughs> That's like you with training. Yeah. That's like you with rounds. Like yeah. you're just in the moment. So doing, oh, just have a little know. bit of this and a little bit of that. And it's just like... <laughs> A little, I'll just go have a round with PJ. I'll just go have. A, I don't really want to go have a round with Brando, but <laughs> but, I will, but I will. But I will because he needs there's, it. There's no, there's no one else, and <laughs> it's gonna suck. No one's putting their <laughs> hand up for this. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, like just get as many rounds as I can, and just be like, try something different with someone else mm-hmm. that you don't like. You know, like wrestle with someone that's a good wrestler, or like you know, because striking is obviously my favorite. But like, you know, I'll wrestle with someone that's, that's, you know, and like, I just like think to myself, I'm like, oh, I did something like this, like, almost like a, like a little, like a full rush. No, I see it. You are never as happy as when you've just learned something new. Yeah. Or just learned something more relevant to yeah. you as yeah. well. I see yeah. it if you come to a jiu-jitsu class, if you come mm. to a wrestling class. And, you know, obviously, since we've come back from COVID, I've wanted to tailor a lot of, a lot more classes towards MMA specifically yeah. to just... Uh, get more overall net opportunities for MMA athletes to mm. perfect their craft and you rocking up to those MMA skills classes those, those yeah. wrestling classes you are beaming man yeah. you are beaming when you're in those classes because you're happy yeah. that's what makes you happy yeah. learning and growing and evolving I see it's it. just like the difference between like your elbow like five centimeters to the left like it's <laughs> yeah. hard to explain like well through talking yeah but even if it's just that little bit you just like it's like oh shit like mm. i gotta i gotta try that yeah and it's like i just want to try that right now mm. and then you, we we go off and then we like we do the like we do the technique and it's like oh, i can feel that yeah you know like and it's like that that shit gets me going it does it <laughs> yeah. does and and you've got to have that yeah i, I think there are a lot of people in the academy. We're lucky. Mm. We, we shouldn't gloss over the fact that we are very lucky that we have a lot of people in the mm. academy that have that yearning for learning. You mm. know what I mean? They really yeah. want it and they, they love the details. They want more of the details. Mm. Uh, and we're always ready and happy to provide them. But that's what keeps them coming back is that yeah. learning and that hard work together. We do sort of matched rounds with sparring and people who are more likely, you know, more closer to weight mm. and that kind of stuff. Okay, this person go with this person. All right, you guys come over, come in the cage. But one of the things we always say, you know, towards the end is present to the cage for work. Mm. Those who come to the cage will get the work. <laughs> it's always you. It's always Tony. Mm. It's always Brando. Yeah. And, you know, when he's firing off, Jake Chanel. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Jake Chanel. Isn't he? He's, yeah. He's, in my opinion, he's the best fighter in the state. I, I can't disagree with you, man. Mm. I cannot disagree with you. Yeah. The, the most well-rounded, well-knowledged, well-learned. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and the way that he can put together a round, the versatility of what he can achieve, mm. it's GSP-like. Yeah, it is. It, it, it is. It's like, there's all these good fighters in the state, and like I've sparred with most of them, mm. 
and obviously because me and Jake, you know, like we're brothers, like we've been yeah. since day one, we've sparred, so it gets harder. Oh yeah, and I'm biased too. Yeah, you know, when it comes to this, but yeah, I don't think that what we're saying is untrue. Nah, nah. If he if his health, like, ima- uh, imagine if neither of us had injuries, like where we would be right now, just from pushing each other. Maybe CTE, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd, make, you'd be in an old person's nursing home feeding each other pudding. Like, <laughs> you've just done too many rounds, yeah. just too many rounds yeah. together because you love it so much, you yeah. know what I mean? But yeah, in all honesty, I, I just think that... <laughs> I just think that his propensity for learning... Yeah, he is like a sponge, and he has been that since day one. I, I remember when we first had interactions with Jake, mm. and I don't know if it was something that I said or something that happened, mm. but I just said I had a conversation with him that was along the lines of believe in your athleticism, sure, but never forget that you're a smart person yeah. and empower yourself with knowledge. And I honestly believe that he took that on board. Oh, he did. took it very seriously. Mm. And in every facet of his life uh, as an athlete, as a practitioner, mm. he's pushed himself to the absolute limit mm. uh, and create and keeps creating new new boundaries and new limits yeah. with the amount of knowledge that he has acquired mm. in levels of strength and conditioning, in levels of technique, in levels of how to apply not just for his body type and him specifically, but for other people, the, his power of analysis and the things that he mm. sees, he's able to assimilate knowledge and immediately get output gains from it. So yeah. he's able to see it and immediately do it. And he's always researching, always studying, always learning. You see it in, in the way that he fights. Mm. And anyone that interacts with him, whether it's from his coaching perspective or especially from when they spar with him, mm. they get it. Mm. They get it immediately. They mm. go... I see it every time. They might have two or three minutes where it's like, oh, okay, cool. And those last two minutes, those last last three minutes or the next round that they have with him, Mm. what they see is the next level. They go, Mm. okay, I understand what the next level of fighting is now. It's Jake Janowoff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tell people sometimes, I'm like, the only reason I'm like as good as what I am is because of Jake Chanel like has pushed me. Mm. Like if it wasn't for him in those early days, who knows what my fighting would look like? Yeah. Who knows? Like cuz me and him like I you know the hours in the cage of mm. rounds that we've done, the hours of like jiu-jitsu, the hours of wrestling, the hours of just talking mm. like like we are now about certain aspects and like he'll see something or I'll see something and then we'll try it on each other and then we'll learn it. And then it's like, we're just sort of like feeding off each other. And then like, obviously you show us something and then we'll look at each other and just be like, shit, man, that's sick. And, then, <laughs> and it's just like, that's what we want to do. Like, yeah. it's just, just the pushing of each other. Yeah. It creates a super positive leadership vibe because yeah. the leaders and the, the professionals who yeah. are at a top tier level show that kind of enthusiasm on a daily basis and it's that trickle down effect and everyone yeah. everyone feeds off yeah you know who else is like that about learning brando he is yeah, yeah. people people don't realize yeah okay so he's another guy i talked about this last week on on the podcast with taylor mm-hmm. he's another guy that people because of his stature and size they just don't get how much of a student of the game he really is yeah and he's hard on himself yeah but he's hard on himself technically Mm. He doesn't want to hear, yeah, you did that really well. Mm. He wants to hear where, you know, your left hand was down. You should have moved like this. Take this grip here. He wants that because he wants to get better. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's, in a way, like, we have a similar thought, me and him, where, like, before when I was saying about my work ethic, like, we get the, 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 we get the joy of doing it, but we also, we don't want to have that, fear of being like what could we have done more like Brando's a no stones unturned guy he is and you don't want to have that regret afterwards as well Mm. I mean Brando has won and lost Mm. he's had some massive wins but he has not regretted his losses ever because they've all been a part of his growing and learning process Mm. and you have a look at the caliber of wins that he's put together he holds a win over the current eternal heavyweight champion of Australia yeah 
You know, like you have a look. And like big win. Big win. Big mm. win too. The, mm. the way that he wins fights mm. is devastating and brutal. <laughs> but it's devastating yeah. because it's strong and powerful and technical. Yeah. There's no area that you're going to defeat him in. Yeah. Like, and he keeps getting better and better. And even though, yep, every time he comes in, he's hard on himself. Every mm. time he comes in, he says things like, oh, I don't know, you, I don't know this, I don't know that. But he does, it's in there, and yeah. then it comes out through application, mm. but he wants more. He, he wants more yeah. all the time. I don't he, want to give it to him. <laughs> he's like, a lot of things he does, like his skill that he does, is like a lightweight. Yeah. And that's dumb. Yeah. That's dumb. It's crazy. That's so it stupid. Is. It really is. It's like, what are you doing? Like, cause it's, it's like Tom Crosby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, Tom Crosby, man, freaking. We're going to talk more about Tom Crosby on some pod- on some podcasts coming up because that guy deserves his due uh, as well. He's he really the guy that does. taught me how to tie my belt. Like, I walked in and I was like, "This oh, guy." Oh, you've just melted my heart just yeah. then with that. Tom Crosby was the man who taught you how to tie your. Yeah, belt. that is brilliant. And like, I remember sparring him, and like, he's he's like Brando, but not as big. But I remember sparring Tom and being like, this is, this sucks. Yeah. And he's not using any strength. No. He's the epitome of not using strength. Yeah. He doesn't use any strength. He doesn't use any power. Yeah. But he has like me, like I remember being probably like two, maybe like three years ago and just going like, I'm, I'm scared to move. <laughs> Because, like, I'm going to... If I move, he can hit me. Yeah. And it's like... And it doesn't hurt, but it's like a fear of, like, not knowing where it's coming from. Yeah. Because that guy... I remember Mike Turner said it best years years ago in Richard Blake's cage. He's like, Tom could be easily over training at Jackson Wink right now. And at that time, that was a big thing to say. Because, mm. like, it was like... That was, like, the bee's knees then. And I remember being like, man, like, imagine if he did. Yeah. Imagine what he would look like with, because like we couldn't push him. No. Like, he was just too good, especially me. Like yeah. back then, I was like I couldn't do anything with him. He is what technique looks and feels like. Yeah, so he is the epitome. Technical, of technically sexy, like in this. Yeah. Is man. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're coming up on our three-minute warning now, man. And we could probably talk all day. Oh, we could, I'm so happy that you did yeah. this. But every time yeah. I do these podcasts, I feel good. Yeah, like I'm buzzing too. afterwards yeah. when, I, when I do them. Yeah. And that's the whole idea. I, I've said it a few times. I want people out there to know who my friends are, mm. why they're my friends, and why they're awesome people. They know you as Timmy Flashbang Rogers, but I hope after this podcast, they know you as Tim Rogers. Yeah. Is there is there anyone that you'd just like to thank before we... Oh man, I was actually sure there'll be heaps. Of I was gonna write notes because it's like Anthony Bino. I'm gonna say him first because yep. that like Bino's a brother. Like yeah, from is. day one, he, I was his little MMA brother. He was my big MMA brother, and like you were coaching the class and that, so you were very busy with like all the students and that. But like Bino was having me over to his house, like teaching me how to kick in his backyard. He was. Just, yeah, we won't talk too long, <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. Like, but Bino, like, and I know that Bino has my back in yeah, life. Yeah, he 100% does. Yeah. yeah. And um, obviously you, as my coach, you've done everything for me. Mike Turner, Mike Turner as well, we've got to thank him as well, like, yep. um, for everything, yeah, especially in those early days, like, I remember walking in the gym and, like, seeing Turner being, like, just the most happy, big... <laughs> <laughs> seeing him and looking at him being like freaking hell that guy's scary and then him like talking about Warhammer and being yeah. like what? He's just this big magnet of positivity <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah and then obviously um, yeah so Australian Muscle Visualised Media uh, oh man I should have written uh, Visualised Media The Racker Racker um, Mugshot Barbers Kwame Dua Fightback CBD all those ones I don't have family. If you family. forget any, we'll link them all yeah. in. We'll link them all in and put them up on Instagram. Obviously, my girlfriend, Hannah, because yeah. she's like the most supportive person in my life. Mm. Like, she's an absolute rock. She's, I've seen her. She's a saint. <laughs> she is. She is. I'm, I'm as mad as a cut snake, and she is as gentle as a mouse. 
Well, I'm going to thank your parents and yeah. your family for yeah. presenting us with the Tim Rogers that we have of today. And uh, I think they, they too deserve uh, yeah. a lot of gratitude. Yeah. Um, I just got to say as well, shout out to um, Shane Mitchell as well. Yes. That guy, um, like recently, like we've been working together in that. And he's like showed me some aspects of the game that I didn't know. And he's taught me some things that I didn't sort of know. But, and also mentally about fighting in that. Yeah. So shout out to him. Awesome, man. Brando, Jake, all them. All the guys. All the guys. Hey, that's the community them. coming together, and that's what we always talk about. Uh, thank you so much, Tim. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. And keep tuned. Stay tuned, because we're going to be back. Same bat time, same bat channel for all the bat fans out there.